to Catholic Doctrine Bible Study. This is session 196. I'm your host, Jim Hawk. And in this session, we'll pick up on 2 Samuel chapter 7. So unless you're driving, turn to 2 Samuel chapter 7. And so we'll recall from our last session that David has just recovered the Ark of the Covenant and brought it back to Jerusalem He's so happy he's dancing all around. And you'll recall the parallels between the old, uh, the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament and Mary in the New Testament. So he's got the Ark and he says, you know, we don't really have a proper home for the Ark. I want to build a, you know, a proper home for the, uh, the Ark. And God says, tell you what. Um, why don't you have your son, who will be Solomon, build the temple for me um, after, afterwards? And God goes further, and he says in chapter 7, verse 16, and this might be worth underlining, your house and your kingdom shall endure forever before me. And so when he says is your house, he means your, your family line. And of course, you know from our study of the genealogies of Jesus that David and in fact Solomon are, uh, ancestors of Jesus. So, uh, when God promises something, he doesn't always say it's going to happen right away. But uh, David can know that his ancestor will be the ultimate Messiah, Jesus Christ. Just check the genealogies in Luke and Matthew, and you will see. So King David does uh, what is his strong suit for the rest of uh, chapter 7 from verse 18 on. David prays. And he just, uh, it's its a good example of, of prayer because uh, a lot of the prayer is just praising God for being, for being God, for being so great. Uh, verse 22, great are you, Lord God. Um, verse 23, the your people Israel, which God has led. Um, you, Lord, verse 24, you, Lord, have become their God. Uh, verse 26, the Lord of hosts is God of Israel. Uh, you are the Lord of hosts in verse 27. You are God, verse 28. You, Lord God, have promised this in verse 29. Uh, and by your blessing, the house of your servant shall be blessed forever. So I would say that's David's strong suit. And that's what separates him from his predecessor, Saul. He's always talking to God. In this case, in this chapter, he's not asking for anything. Uh, he's just praising God for, for being God and for all of his wonderful characteristics. Then the next couple of chapters, we talk about David's victories. I'll just leave it at that. So now we get to chapter 11. Chapter 11 David is on top of the world, so to speak. He's beaten the Ammonites, he's beaten the Arameans, uh, you know, etc. He's, he's done well, and it's good to be the king. And so he's enjoying his successes at the beginning of chapter 11. And, but when you, when you get a little too full of yourself, 
sometimes you have to be knocked back a peg and you, and you do stupid things. And David is not above doing the ultimate stupid thing. We read about this in chapter 11, verse 2. One evening, David rose from his siesta and strolled about on the roof of the place. And he saw a woman bathing who was very beautiful. So, you know, he's on his roof, probably overlooked a lot of the city. And uh, so he's looking down and he sees a woman swimming and she's very beautiful. And he found out she's Bathsheba, but he also found out, found out she's married to Uriah. And uh, one of one of David's soldiers, okay? In, in fact, kind of an officer, not the head officer, but an officer in David's army. And so he wants her and his passions get the better of him. And he, uh, it says he had relations with her and she got pregnant. And in verse five of chapter 11, she says, hey, I'm with child. So David's got a little scandal on his, uh, you know, on his plate there. Maybe Uriah hadn't been very active with Bathsheba, but it's going to come out that Bathsheba was going to have an illegitimate child unless something is done. So what does he do? Uh, David calls Uriah in and says, hey, I'll tell you what, uh, you've been a good guy, you've been a good soldier, go home for a while. And Uriah, in other words, I want you to sleep with your wife because then, you know, she can claim that you are the father and not me. But Uriah says, no, 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 you know, we've been fighting all along and the men that are under me, they don't get to go home, so I'm not going to go home either. So David tries a second time in verse 13. David uh, wants, says, hey, come on over. Let's have a few drinks. David got him drunk. And he said, why don't you go home to uh, your wife and uh, be with her? And David can't, uh, or excuse me, Uriah doesn't do that. So what does Uriah, or excuse me, what does David do? He compounds the problem. He's already an adulterer. He has slept with a married woman. And now he tries to cover his sin by what? He, he sends Uriah back into battle and he tells Uriah's commander in verse 14, place Uriah up front, you know, in the fighting where the fighting is fierce, then pull back and leave him to be struck down dead. And that's exactly what happened. So David, you probably didn't hear these stories about David when you were a child, if you heard any stories about David. What does this make David? It makes him not only an adulterer, but a murderer, okay? All so that his little sin won't be found out. In the meantime, Bathsheba is pregnant with David's, uh, with David's son. So David marries her and um, she bore him a son but what happens? So the son is going to be born, but as we shall see, it's not going to live long. All right. Now, chapter 12, Nathan is David's kind of advisor and a prophet to Nathan. Now, what if you're Nathan and you, you, you find out all of this stuff, right? 
Now, we already established David has a pretty bad temper. We saw one time he shot a messenger, or he killed a messenger, who just told him that uh, Saul was dead. So you want to stay, this might be a lesson for all of us. How do you uh, try to correct someone, a loved one, that you know is walking a bad path with God? Well, first of all, you have to look for an opportunity to do it. And then secondly, think of how to phrase your, your, uh, your admonishment of the other person so that it is effective and yet at the same time it uh, uh, is least likely to affect your relationship with your loved one. So Nathan says, hey, I got a little story. Maybe, maybe you could judge this case for me, David. I'm I'm supposed to judge cases, and uh, you're a pretty smart guy, so you tell me, what do you think I should do? There's two guys, one guy's one guy's rich, one guy's poor. The rich guy has all these flocks. The poor guy has one little ewe, you know, baby lamb, and that's it. But um, the rich man receives a visitor, but he won't take his own flocks and herds to prepare a meal for the for his visitor. Instead, he steals the poor man's lamb and uh, killed it and cooked it as a meal for his visitor. What do you think we should do with this rich guy? Okay, pretty smart, really. David grows, grew very angry. This is chapter 12, verse 5. David grew very angry with that man and said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this merits death. So forth. And then in verse 7, then Nathan said to David, okay, that he takes the pretense away. And he says, you are that man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, I anointed you king of Israel. I rescued you from the hand of Saul. I, I gave you your Lord's house and your Lord's wives for your own. I, you know, I basically, I gave you everything. And yet you have done evil in his sight. Um... Thus says the Lord, I will bring evil upon you out of your own house. I will take your wives while you live to see it, and I will give them to your neighbor. He shall lie with your wives in broad daylight. That's going to happen with his own son, by the way. But we're not there yet. Um, you have done this deed in secret, but I will bring it about in the presence of all Israel and with the sun looking down. Okay, so don't think you can put one over on God, right? Do an examination of conscience and, you know, look for the things that, you're, that, that you've done. David needed this to be pointed out. And at times, we need to seek advice. You know, we should all have some sort of a spiritual advisor uh, or at least a decent relationship with your confessor that, uh, you know, you can share things that, that you've done. We've all done bad things. Um, maybe another reason why this story is in here. Probably most of you are not murderers. Probably most of you are not adulterers. But you can see that David ultimately will be forgiven. So never forget that. You are never beyond God's forgiveness. But what does David do when he realizes, after Nathan points out to him, um, you know, what does, what does David do about it? Well, remember we said David's strong suit is prayer. Um, so then David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
Um, and Nathan tells, uh, Nathan tells him, well, the child born to you must surely die. And the, the Lord, uh, and, and David, David accepts the good counsel of Nathan. And in, in fact, uh, that child dies, you know, as, as a young, as a young child. Now, what does David do? Um, it says in verse, uh, verse 20, it says, he went to the house of the Lord and worshiped. Now, this is after he learns that the child died. Now, I personally have had a child, uh, actually two children of mine, be born alive. They were identical twins and they died. I wish I could tell you that one of the first things I did was to go to church and worship God for what had happened. But um, I can't say that. I mean, ultimately, I, I did. But I struggled with this for quite some time. And uh, so, uh, but, but I guess one of the things to look for here is look at David's, yes, he has screwed up multiple times. Yes, he's got an anger problem. Yes, he committed adultery. Yes, he committed murder. Yes, he, we've seen him lie. But he, he's, he's a prayer warrior above all things. So after his child dies, he goes to the house of the Lord and worships. Uh, this is after his own baby's death. Um, and, you know, he, he, um, that, that's, that's just um, how it is. But then in verse 24, David comforted his wife Bathsheba. Obviously, she was upset as well that the child died. He went and slept with her, and she conceived and bore him a son who was named Solomon. And we will study Solomon later on, the wisest man in, in the world. Okay, let's get into the next topic. David was a lousy father. He was terrible, okay? And uh, his main problem is he didn't pass on any faith, uh, the faith or the morals to his children. Okay, we're, uh, chapter 13 just shows what a lousy father he, he was in terms of uh, taking care of his kids. Uh, it says, uh, David's son Absalom had a beautiful sister named Tamar, and David's son Amnon loved her. So she's uh, uh, like a half-sister to him, uh, Amnon. And uh, you don't sleep with your half-sister. You probably shouldn't do that, okay? But he really was entranced with Tamar, this uh, Amnon. And under false pretenses, which is a good part of chapter 13, under false pretenses, he gets uh, Tamar over to, uh, he says he needs some help. And then he basically rapes her. He rapes her. So it says he overpowered her in chapter 13, verse 14. Then um, the brother, uh, so this is uh, Amnon who, uh, who did the rape of Tamar. So we find out later that his half-brother, Absalom, in this chapter, uh, this, you know, he, he hates Amnon. So what does David do about this when he finds out that his son raped his daughter? Okay. 
what does he do to her? To, uh, what does he do to his son? Well, it says in verse 21, King David, who got word of the whole affair, became very angry. Oh gosh, he became angry. He did not, however, spark the resentment of his son Amnon, whom he favored because he was his firstborn. So first of all, he's got a favorite kid, which is never a good idea for a parent. And um, so and he, he, he didn't punish him, okay? He didn't do anything about this. Well, he should have been passing on faith and morals while uh, Amnon was a little boy, right? But he didn't do that. Okay, now Absalom, who's the full uh, brother of Tamar, who was, uh, was uh, raped, Decide, you know, he he says, man, I, I hate Amnon. I'm going to get a chance to kill Amnon. And in fact, in this chapter 13, he does kill Amnon. And um, then Absalom, the, the, the other son of David who, who killed the oldest son, Amnon, he has to run away and he stays away for three years. And we're going to see David's got family problems. Chapter 15, Absalom decides, I'm going to uh, t take over my dad's kingdom. So he, he tries to play favorites or, or tries to do favors for key subjects of, of David. And so that um, he will be, will be king. So much so that David will have to uh, flee Jerusalem. And uh, so bottom line is, David was not a good father. He did not pass on the faith. He did not pass on correct morals. He favored one child over another. And I guess he was just too busy for his own kids. So maybe there's a lesson in there for us. That said, let's go to the Lord in prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we see that David was a deeply flawed man, just as we are all flawed. Um, and yet, in his behalf, we see that he's always praying. He's thanking you. He's, he's asking for forgiveness at different times. In Psalm 51, for example, after his sin with, uh, with Bathsheba. And um, so... We, uh, we, we learn from him sometimes by his mistakes. So help us in our own lives if we are fathers, if we are grandfathers, if we are potential fathers. Help us to remember that each of your children, you love each of your children equally, and that we should show each uh, equivalent love to any children that we have. And that we must also pass on our faith which means we must learn our faith, first of all. We must pass on our faith, pass on our morals to our children and uh, and spend time with them and correct them when, when they fail. So we thank you for David's example, both on the positive side of prayer and on the negative side of uh, giving in to passions and then also uh, being a poor father. We can learn from this. We thank you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.